When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the 1865 match report being recorded just after Nottingham Forest achieved a 2-2 draw at home to Everton. It was an early lead from the visitors from Damari Gray's penalty, which was equalised by Brennan Johnson before Abdullah Ducore put Everton in the lead for the second time in the match. And uh, that's how it went into half-time. But Johnson scored a goal 13 minutes from time to just about ensure a share of the spoils. Later on in the match report, we will be discussing what this means for how Forest season is set up and we'll be talking tactics and we'll be looking at the remainder of the season to assess how Forest stand. But first of all, before we go to Baz to discuss the game, let's talk about the Forest team news. So there's just the one change from the last match, the disastrous away match at West Ham. So we had Navas in goal, Serge Aurier came in for Nico Williams at right back, with Renan Lodi at left back and Worrell and Felipe in the middle of the defence. We had Remo Freuler, John Joe Shelby and Jack Colback in central midfield. And then up front, it was Gibbs White and Johnson supporting Chris Wood. Baz, before we go any further, this was one of those matches where, I mean, everyone was going into it thinking we need to get three points out of this one, um, partly for our own sake and partly also to to keep Everton at bay as the bottom part of the table looks tight. So how does a point feel to you? Uh, Everton needed three points more than we did. Um, everything about this today has been horrible. <laughs> it's it, you could feel the tension in the air bef- just before we got to the ground. In the first ten minutes before Everton scored, the crowd was uneasy and tense. And then after Everton scored, there was. A level of unhappiness that I've not noticed for a, a good two years. Ouch. Okay. And I mean, we, we will talk about about that uh, and, and how things stand a little bit later mm. on. Uh, it's one of those I, I was saying to uh, to my wife, it's like we were both kind of head in hands, <laughs> kind of going, oh, God. And going, yeah, this is this has reminded me of why I sometimes hate watching football, even mm. though you wouldn't swap it for I anything I actually texted world. a friend of mine saying, I actually feel sick. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, 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 I think many of us can empathise with that. I think last time you and I did a match report together, um, it might have been the Leeds match. And I think we were saying, 
as Forest fans, we'll, we're delighted to have got the points in that one. Uh, but it wouldn't, it wasn't one for the neutral. I think this is one where it's probably the neutrals might actually conversely have enjoyed it more than well, <laughs> Forrester yeah, Everton I mean, fans. I, also, I, I said to someone else, um, it felt like a championship match, which might be a bad omen Eek. for two relegation-threatened teams. Yeah. But um, it was 100 miles an hour. Um, because neither team could pass the ball or had any quality about them, they just ended up clogging each other instead. Mm. Yeah, uh, yes, it, it, it got a bit feisty and testy at mm. various points. Let's talk about Everton taking the league. She said those first 10 minutes, I mean, Forrest didn't start well, did they, no. really? And and to concede a penalty after 10 minutes, 11 minutes, pretty much kind of summed it up, didn't it? But But talk us through what happened, because there was a VAR check, and presumably... The trouble is that when you're in the ground, you don't really know what's being checked. You just know that there's well, a check going I mean, on. And... So, so from where I'm sat near the halfway line, the whoever it was went down. Mm-hmm. But from the angle we were at, me and the bloke next to me went, he's dived. Mm-hmm. And it looked as clear as day as a dive to us. So when the pause happened, we were like, yep, VR are going to let us off. Okay. And then I've seen it since back on from, from another angle. And mm. it's, yeah, it's a clear penalty. It's a clear penalty, isesn't it? Um, so it's stupid by it, Shelby. It's stupid by Shelby, but it's also a symptom of the fact that Forrest had two or three chances to clear their lines and they didn't, mm. which is why when the ball came to the edge of the box, McNeil tried to... He took a touch. Shelby stuck his foot in. Any any footballer worth his salt is going to be going over and getting the penalty there. And I don't think there's a huge amount of argument from people who saw it. Yeah. You know, if you saw what I mean. Um, it turns out that the VAR check was to investigate whether there'd been a handball leading up to that by an Everton player. But um, I say I don't think there can be any real complaints about about Everton getting the penalty, nor about Everton really taking the lead, would you say? Yeah, yeah. so Everton started off on the front foot, um, which to some extent was quite surprising. You'd expect, uh, especially a Sean Dyche side, you'd expect them to be physical and be together and have that spirit and all that. But to try and take the game to us right from the off was a bit of a surprise. And yeah, so they'd been dominating in terms of possession and territory anyway. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really that much of a surprise. Okay. So how did the Reds respond? Um, We carried on being awful for a little bit. (laughs) Uh, The crowd got very, very antsy. And then almost out of nowhere, I can't remember, Gibbs White picked it up, didn't he? And then played... Actually, uh, my apologies, I did mention to someone on our group chat that Chris Wood contributed absolutely nothing, but he did do the one-two with Gibbs White. Uh, Gibbs White then puts, uh, so receives the ball back from Wood and uh, puts the shot in. Pickford spills it. And then Jono is in the right place at the right time to to put it in, um, which is what you want the striker to do. It was a poacher's goal, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It really was. And then Forrester actually, I would say, on top for the next uh, 10 minutes or so, would you say? Uh, not to I, say wouldn't, not, I not, wouldn't say that. Not to say that they were dominant, but they they had a bit more possession. They had a little bit more momentum than Everton, yeah, who had had the early but, mate, stages. But I don't think we 
So, well, do, do you want to talk about tactics now? <laughs> Let's hold on to that. Let's hold on to that. Okay, all I'll say then is we might have had more momentum, but we couldn't string a pass. We're, we're, every pass was half a yard short. Okay, that sounds fair. And we will come back to the causes of that, I think, a little bit later on. So, But I also think it's fair to say that when Everton regained the lead, it was against the run of play. Now... We again we'll talk about this in a bit more depth a little bit later on. Steve Cooper was unhappy about the free kick that was awarded against Forrest um halfway into our half because he felt that Morgan should have had a free kick already. Yeah. In the ground, what did you think? Uh yeah, I thought Morgan should have had a free kick, and if you're not going to give the one on Morgs, then why would you give the one that on whoever it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it Gray, I think? But, again, Forrest needed to defend it way better, didn't they? Well, um, again, I've, I've watched it back on my phone. I still don't understand what happened. When I was watching it in the ground, it was like the parting of the Red Sea. It's like everyone ran out of the way to give their player as much space as he wanted to take that second ball and, and put it in. Yeah, I would say that they weren't as tight. I mean... We know what Everton are going to do. We know they're going to put the ball high in. They're going to rely on Tarkovsky or Michael Keane to win headers. And Keane won the header. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I can't remember who won the header, but then Keane flicked it on. And it might have been Anana, actually, who won the header. Uh, Keane flicked it on because Worrell wasn't quite tight enough to him. And then Ducouré got in because Froehler had lost him in the middle of the box. And Ducouré got his head to it, did enough to put it past Navas. Uh, Navas, as a goalkeeper, he will probably be thinking, I may, could I have done better? But I don't really attach any blame to him because it was close, it shouldn't have close got range. That. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't have got that far. It should have been dealt with on, on the second phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Everton were on top and... It looked a little bit hairy at certain points. So uh, McNeil cut in from the right wing onto his left foot Mm. and hit a driven shot from the edge of the box, which Navas had to tip over. You'd expect the keeper to save it, but he still had to do it. Um, Again, the question is, how come he was allowed to get shot in? Because anyone who's watched any Premier League football can tell you that Dwight McNeil on the right wing is going to cut an into his left foot and therefore you should be better equipped to deal with it. And then the one which I would say is the one that we got away with, and and in this sense could be described as a bit of a turning point, is just as the fourth official was holding up the board for stoppage time, Ducouré made a a good jinking run in the left-hand channel. He put a good ball across the box. Uh, Iwobi missed it. Gray was in space at the far stick, and he had so little conviction in his shot that, Gibbs White didn't have to do much to block it. In fact, to the point where Gibbs White wasn't just hoofing it clear, he was able to stop it and then run away with it. Mm. And at that moment, I have to say, I, I had my had my head in my hands, my heart in my mouth, all those kinds of assorted cliches. And so we, I would say that Everton will think that's the one that got away, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, although, yeah, I didn't. I had my head in my hands for most of the first half mm. and quite a big chunk of the second half. Well, at half time it was it was two one to Everton. Let's move on to the second half. Now 
all I'm going to say about the early stage of the second half is that it was marked out by the confrontation and the ill-tempered nature of things as much as anything to, that anyone was doing with the ball. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um, what I will say is I guess our players had a bit of a hairdryer treatment at half time because while the first half was basically played in our half, the second half was basically played in Everton's half. And Everton being Everton and being a Deitch side were strong and physical and stood up to everything we tried to do to them which included shoving and pushing and that would then result in shoves and pushes back and the referee basically lost control of the game. Well, and again, this, I mean, I said we'd talk about Steve Cooper's comments later and, and we'll talk about the referee in the same instance and, and anyone who's watched the match or heard Steve Cooper's post-match interview will know why. Um, all I'm going to say is that I think there were seven bookings in that match I thought over half of them were a bit ridiculous and yet there could have been other bookings that weren't well, given. I'd say that, yes, over half of them were a bit ridiculous, but two of them could have been red cards. And if he'd done that, then he wouldn't have had the other five. Yeah. Again, we'll, 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 we'll come back to that a little bit later. Now, we all knew that we were getting a bit overrun and... I'll say we're going to talk tactics um, in part two of, of this match report. But it's really important that Forrest made subs. And I was surprised that Cooper waited as long as he did. Usually we see him making subs at 55, 60 minutes. And on this instance, they came a little bit later. I think it's about 65 minutes um, when the subs were made. And we needed them. We needed something to change, didn't we? Because most of the, especially in midfield. Yeah, most of the second half, everyone around me was saying, why isn't he making subs? Because this is not working. Mm. Oh, apologies. I, I've done myself a disservice. It was on 70 minutes. So we really mm. waited a lot longer than usual. Um, so let's talk about the changes that were made. I was expecting Colback and Shelby to go off. Yep. And Shelby but, looked knackered by that point. But... It was Colback and Freuler who with withdrawn from the midfield berth. Um, I'm assuming the uh, rationale and keeping Shelvion is because he's got that range of passing mm. that neither Colback nor Freuler have, and we needed to get back in the game. And he's not very mobile, so the fact that he's knackered meant he was just moving a little bit less. Mm -hmm. And Andre Ayew came on for Chris Wood up front. So... Um, Yates and Dennis came on for the two midfielders. Andre Ayew came on up front. We kind of went to, from a 4-3-2-1 a to more of a 4-2-3-1, slightly more uh, conventional formation. So Dennis on the left, Ayew up front. Morgan Gibbs-White having played um, supporting role on the left-hand side, moved into more of a number 10 free role. And then obviously Johnson on the right. Do you think that that formation change worked or was there something more or something less to it um again we'll touch on the tactics but the difference was ryan yates yep okay so let's cut straight to the chase okay yates added a degree of movement and 
dynamism that had mm-hmm. been sorely lacking from the Forest midfield for the previous 70 minutes. Yep. And this difference was felt at both ends of the park. I'm going to deal with the defensive end, first of all. I'm going to skip ahead a little while because there was a break from Everton um, where they could have got through. Uh, I think it was Iwobi tried to break through. He got past Felipe. He skipped past Worrell. And then Yatesy, Worrell had done just enough to hold him up ever so slightly. Yatesy had sprinted back, booted it <laughs> out of the park, which is exactly what you need your man to do because otherwise Iwobi would have been one-on-one mm. with Navas. And Iwobi is probably Everton's best player in many ways, I would say. So that's not something we would have wanted. But the change at uh, the, the moment from Yates that everyone's going to talk about is going to be in the attacking third, because if Forrest's first equaliser came from a nice one-two between Gibbs, White and Wood, this was some great work from Johnson and Yates, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it probably Felipe, who... First half was a bit quiet, but the second half, once again, was a bit of a beast. And I really, really like him. But he nicked the ball off one of the Everton players. I think they were on a break. Uh, He nicked the ball off and then just played it forwards down the centre. Jono was in the centre. He ran forwards, spilt it out to the right to Yates. Now, what I liked about it, and again, I watched it back on my phone, um, because I wanted to see if I was right when I was in the ground because of the angle I was at. What I liked best about it was Jono then didn't run on the line of the defenders, expecting Yates to play the ball between the defenders and the keeper. He held back about a yard behind the defenders. So when Yates played the, the cross back... Not only did he do that, he also stuck his arms up and yelled at Yates, yeah. give it me here. Which and Yates he was able so he told him exactly where he wanted it and Yates puts exactly where he wanted yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it meant that Yates didn't have to put a, a like curling cross in. It was more of a just a quick pass. And then Jono had space for himself. He'd built himself that that yard. So when he hit it, and everyone's going to talk about the finish, but it was the build-up that I absolutely yep. loved the way it it happened. Although the finish <laughs> the was finish also was good. Yeah, I mean. We said the first one was a poacher's goal. This was a striker's goal in many ways because he took that first touch with his right foot, set himself up, and he he had that kind of vision. There's a nice angle from uh, where the camera must be um, uh, in the side of the of the ground, so you kind of see the angle open up for for Brennan, and you can see that he places it very deliberately beyond where the defenders are going to be able to block it or head it and puts it perfectly into the top corner. So even if Pickford had, you know, mm. gone for it at full pelt, um, and Pickford was more or less unable to... He was he was, he was was out of it, wasn't he? Yeah. So, so Because that's how perfectly it was postage stamp stuff. So it was a very, very nice finish. Um, there's an interesting graphic, which I'm just looking at on the... Um, on the Sky Sports app, actually, which tells you about the momentum uh, in the match. And what it tells us is that, you know, the, the momentum did swing one way and the other. And you can see that Forrest had been building up just prior to when they scored mm. that equaliser. Then it petered out a bit from both teams, to be perfectly honest. Um, what was interesting, just to finish off, because we know that the result was 2-2, so two things that were interesting. One is that there 
both teams ended with 11 men, which I don't, I wasn't mm. expecting to happen. Yep. And then the other thing was that it was Forrest who were doing the dark arts or, you know, doing things to slow the game down. Just Everton had started the second half kind of having scraps and being, you know, doing those things that you mentioned. And then as we got into the last five, 10 minutes and then into stoppage time, for example, Morgan Gibbs White, the ball went out for a goal kick. He kicked the ball that was in play just away by three or four yards and then picked up the multi-ball ball so that Pickford couldn't take a quick goal kick and and get Everton on the go again. And then he made a big show of placing it onto the, you know, onto the six-yard line so that Pickford... That's an example of when Forrest were, were slowing it down and doing those dark arts to stop Everton getting... So it just proves to go back full circle to where we started, a point was probably more useful to Forrest than it mm. was to Everton. Having said that, after... Although... The the I thought, given the way the game was after the equaliser, second equaliser, I thought we deserved the three points off it, and the way we were playing, we deserved the three points off it. But also, I could equally see us throwing away the three points because we're so prone to making stupid mistakes. The eighteen sixty five match report. Okay, welcome back to the 1865 Match Report. Uh, Before Baz and I discuss tactics and Steve Cooper and referees, we're just going to go over to uh, Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast, who's going to give us a view from the away end. Just got home, actually, from the... uh... From the city ground after uh, a pretty frantic two-all draw between the the two sides, and a game that we will feel as Evertonians that we we dropped a couple of points after leading twice over the course of the ninety minutes, but probably a fair result on reflection uh, with us having the better of the the first half and and Forest the better of the of the second half. Um, a game of, of a fair few chances for, for both sides, I'd say. Um, and we were we were probably glad in the end to come away with a point after after Forrest coming back and getting to two all. I thought you know we, if we if we get a point then we, we we'd be pretty satisfied at that particular stage. But a lot of things to, to take on board for us. All the positives, I'd say, scoring two goals as, as daft as that might sound is, is definitely a positive. The referee performance was absolutely horrendous. Um, but that's that's uh, week in week out in the Premier League nowadays. Uh, in terms of both sides' chances of staying in the Premier League, obviously, based on current points, Forrest have got a, a better chance, that's for sure. Based on the injury issues that we have in terms of our, our main striker, not being uh, back to full fitness and and uh, not being fit for large large parts of the season as well, that does play into things. But we, we've got to believe uh, that we can, we can stay in the Premier League. We, we did it last season. We can certainly do it again. Sean Dice has got us that little bit more organised, um, and we we certainly do do look a, a different side than what we did under under Frank Lampard at the back end of his tenure as Everton manager. But both sides have got a good chance to stay in the Premier League, as I say, Forest more so than ourselves and Everton. But still, plenty of games to go, plenty of points to, to fight for, and, and hopefully, plenty of wins to get. 
Thank you very much there, Mike. And um, Baz, let's go back to what we we're to uh, going to talk about a little bit earlier. Um, Steve Cooper said there's there's stuff to be pleased about. We're disappointed with the goals that we conceded. Uh, I like the fact we came back twice in the game. We definitely deserved at least a draw, but we also know that need to know that we have to do better with the goals that we conceded. Uh, Sean Dyche was talking about how Everton are a work in progress, so he was putting a positive spin on it as well. And what I would also say is that Steve Cooper did say that he wasn't happy with the ref, which is something that... He 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 saves his moments, doesn't he, mm-hmm. for when he's talking about refs. Um, he says, "How who knows how important the, t- the the point might be?" But he also did say that there were bits about the referee's performance that he wasn't happy with. We've mentioned the free kick award, which went to Everton for their second goal. He's mentioned the tackle which Tarkovsky got booked for, where he didn't actually make much contact with Renan Lodi, but it was a late tackle. It's one of those, if you don't get the ball and the player is taken out, then that happens. He's saying, we were we were breaking at the time that the ref well, pulled that, it back. That, that was the thing with that one was it stopped, it, it achieved its purpose because it stopped us playing when Lodi was level with their defence. He, he wasn't the last man, but he would only have had the last men to be to get the cross in. And as I said earlier, I also think that there was a bit of an issue with the ref in that he wasn't consistent in terms... So there were... Actually, no, so there's one other that I just want to mention. I think it was in the first half. There was a point where Jono got absolutely flattened and he went down and he stayed down. But when a player's injured and they're down, you see them move and... Jono didn't move for like two minutes and I thought he'd, he would actually be knocked out. Mm-hmm. So this was the foul by Godfrey, wasn't it? Was it? I don't, I don't Just down by the corner flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought that was a horrible, horrible foul and deserved something. And again, it's one of those things where refs want to stamp their authority on the game. And again, I don't want to talk about refs. To be fair, the way the game was... It was niggly and it was physical and it was two teams that were very, very desperate in a very, very tense atmosphere. So in many ways, the ref was always going to make a lot of mistakes because people were just up for fighting. Okay, yeah. Um, But he could have stamped his authority on the game at that point. Okay. And it wouldn't have spun out of control in the way it did. So what he did do, so Godfrey got a yellow card for that. Okay, it's worth pointing out that he did give the yellow card, which me personally, I think that was a fair, fair yellow. About five, six minutes into the second half, there was a a coming together whereby Gibbs, White and McNeil, um, it's basically a little scrap, wasn't it? Mm. And and Gibbs, White had been fouled and then he got up and he kept playing on and he went down again. And then it was one of those instances where Gibbs White was annoyed because he felt he should have had the foul earlier so he got up and sort of started giving it some McNeil ran in from 20 yards away and so the ref decided I'm going to book you both and I just thought that and and there was another a flashpoint um just a few minutes later I think it was Renan Lodi yeah, Lodi and got booked for, for nothing Renan Lodi and Damari Gray and again actually what happened with that one was 
Felipe. Um, Felipe and uh, I can't remember if it's a Wobi. I think it's a Wobi. They had a coming together in that same scrap. Oh, was that the one where well, maybe shoved Philippe, like shoved him like two yards and brought a proper, proper shove in the back? Well, there was a coming together and Felipe and Iwobi both raised their hands at each other in exactly the same way as Gray and Lodi had. But the ref only booked one set of players. So to me, that's a lack of consistency and lack of control. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, definitely. He had no... He had... He, he was losing control of the game all through the second half. And also, so, and then just two minutes after that was that Tarkovsky foul mm. where Forrest could have had the advantage and, and they didn't. And so, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your choice on, on all of those things. But for those bookings to be for dissent and other things to not be booked and other players to not be booked for similar things. And also worth pointing out, as far as I can tell, that, Everton fans were equally as unhappy with the ref. So that probably says it all. But we expect better in the Premier League, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about Cooper. We've talked about the ref. Let's talk tactics. Mm -hmm. The thing that worried me in this particular game was how stodgy Forest Midfield looked. Bearing in mind that Everton also had three number sixes playing in midfield, <laughs> but they looked much more dynamic and energetic and attacking, especially in that first half. Well, so what, what Everton did, and this is obviously part of Sean Dyche living in Nottingham and having been to see Forest many, many times, and it's been a feature of Steve Cooper's Nottingham Forest side since he joined the club, is we attack down the wings Mm -hmm. and what he did was he just stifled the wings and then we had our three deep lying midfielders so he put his midfielders right in front of them so whenever we had the ball there was nowhere for it to go we didn't have any outlets down the wings we didn't have any outlets down the center and and then couple that with the fact that everyone was tense and having an off day and couldn't actually pass the ball anyway and it just meant that we were just smothered, completely unable to do anything. I would also argue that I think that some of the players underperformed, actually, especially in the midfield areas. So not necessarily their fault. So Colback was, I don't think he did much. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Freuler in the first half, I thought, wasn't good. No. And that, that pains me to say, because I'm... There's obviously the two camps about Freuler. Either you think he's great and does a great job for the team, or you don't go and don't understand why he's in the team. I think he's great, but I didn't think he was today. And no, after, he didn't, he didn't after having a poor match yeah. against West Ham in that first half, I think he improved in the second half a little bit. I think Colback did as well. But when we were in the second half, when we were playing in their half, we're going to get to Ryan Yates in a bit, but Colback was doing what Yates ended up doing. Is just he's not as good at it as Yates is. Okay. And then Shelby, especially in the first half, he ended up almost dropping in as an auxiliary right back while Aurier mm. tried to go go up the wing and so on. Um, and he tried to prompt from there. And more often than not, it didn't work because Everton stifled that, like you yeah. say. So I think a combination of them getting a rocket at half time, like you said. Uh, the other thing I will also say is that 
because Wood was playing up front and we've established that he's not got the mobility and the style of play to play as, you know, with our split wide striker system. So it meant that Gibbs White, rather than playing as a number 10 in a sort of almost false nine position, was supporting from the left hand side. And I'm not comfortable with that. And it doesn't make the best of what Gibbs White can do. And it also made us quite vulnerable down the left hand side defensively. Yeah, definitely. It's a waste of, of, of Gibbs White's talent and Wood didn't give us anything to make up for Gibbs White being wasted like that. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw this out here. Have. OK, we know that we needed signings because of the terrible. We've still got basically a, an entire first team worth of players out injured. So we needed bodies in. But have the signings, not as individuals, but the the profile of players we've got, have they potentially made us less competitive? I think Wood has a place coming on, like against Man City, for the last 10 minutes to change the way we play and give the team that we're playing against something different to think about. But having him playing down the centre spoils what we're trying to do. I think Shelby obviously has talent and he's got the experience, but I would still rather have what we had at this uh, earlier on in the season with Froiler and then Yates and Kiate, because they that gives us a, a level of mobility in the centre of the park that we don't have when we play Froiler and Shelby. And... So you so you would say that Froiler with Yates and Kuyate either side was the optimum midfield That's, that we've had yes. this season. And I mean, the reason the other, for that is yeah. because what, as I said, what um, Everton did was put this wall of midfielders in front of us. Whereas, and because they're three holding midfielders, they were all content to sit in front of in front of that wall. Whereas Kuyate and Yates, they they used to burst through that wall and then give us options. But also, so you mentioned mobility, and that is important, but also Yates and Kuyate have a level of physicality that, that especially Shelby, Freuler, Freuler is good, but he's not, he's not a Patrick Vieira type no. number six, is he? Um, no, he's, he's a block the passing lanes kind of player. Yeah. Um, as we said, he's the new Ricky Shimaker. Yeah. Um, and Yates and Kuyate are both a lot more physical, so... Onana and Ducore probably would have had less change out yeah. of, or even even if Mangala was playing. So you wonder, although Shelby offers something that the other players don't and Colback offers something that the other players don't, you wonder if that, that balance in the team mm. was much less effective. I mean, clearly it was against West Ham, but even today. Yeah. Uh, so... so I guess the uh, the question being is how do we oh are we doing too much of a reset bearing in mind that we're entering the business end of the season because our momentum in terms of results has dropped off we haven't yeah. won in four now having had a good run of of getting good results and and being unbeaten for a little while so it's two two draws and two defeats but then I mean yeah part of that is we lost both Yates and Coyote and we don't have any other midfielders that can do that role, really. Mangala and Danilo? 
I'm not maybe Danilo. I don't think Mangala's got that that same level of mobility either, um, or the the burst of pace that it takes to get beyond those the the, the players in front of you. Okay. Maybe Danilo has. And Scarpa. I think he's a different type of player. Okay, so do you think? But yeah, I was interesting that neither of them were on the bench today. Yeah, so do you think maybe the answer lies in? So today we change the formation in terms of rather than being the four three one two, it's almost like a four three four three two one. It was almost a four two four for most of it. But... Yeah, but but technically it was a Christmas tree type yeah, yeah. formation. Do you think going four two three one would be would be more suitable if we're going to play with Wood up front? It means you can have Gibbs White as a as a conventional number ten, maybe Scarper on the left hand side, and then have. Freuler and Shelby or that kind of combination. Yeah, but the thing that worries me there is the at the start of the season when we had two central midfielders rather than three, yeah. is we used to get overrun a lot. So again, yeah. so there's that balancing act with with again with Yates and Coyote, it was them sitting deep and then bursting forwards. It yeah. wasn't that they were playing further forwards, leaving I leaving think, a hole. I think crucially as well, um I would also argue that so the reason we had to move away from playing three at the back with four in the midfield of whom two were fullbacks was because it meant the centre backs had too much to do, mm. and it also meant the central midfielders had too much to do. Whereas by playing four at the back, it means that those back four can kind of retain disciplined positions. There's optimal cover there. It also means that with three in midfield, if the fullbacks do go forward the nearest midfielder can drop in. And it also means that the central midfielders don't have as much to cover, which means that Freuler can sit as that mm. number six and direct the traffic. And, and Yates and Kuyate or Yates and Mangala are able to roam either side, yeah. which from a defensive point of view, I think makes much more sense considering that we are a bottom third <laughs> team in this division. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Okay, so if that's where we've been at and where we are at the moment, let's have a little look forward. So the next match is Spurs away next Saturday. Then we've got Newcastle at the City Ground on a Friday night, followed by Wolves also at home uh, a couple of weeks later. The fixtures are tough, aren't they? And so I think we also need to think about which fixtures other teams have got in terms of assessing Forest's chances mm. of staying up because right now we're four points outside the relegation zone in a very very congested table from 12th position downwards mm. I mean and so I was looking at the table this morning and the fixture list this morning and if we'd got three points today we'd have been 11th obviously the points gap wouldn't be huge but 11th when you're trying to finish 17th or higher is... 12th. We would have been 12th, not 11th. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, is is much more comfortable. Yeah. And We'd have been on 28 points above Palace and Wolves and we would have been seven points ahead of the relegation zone. Mm. So psychologically, the, the position in the table is important, but also that points cushion would have suddenly felt yeah. a whole lot better than the four-point cushion. And then the other the thing to think about is, I think it was six home games, seven away games. It's almost, given where we're at, I can't see us getting more than one or two points at best on the away games. Mm. So if we need 12, maybe 15 points to be safe, 
that means we're looking for 12 points from six home games. And then three of those home games are Newcastle, Arsenal and Manchester United. Now, actually, because the Newcastle game's on a Friday night, I have some and Newcastle look knackered. Yeah, that there, there is a potential there. But Arsenal and Manchester United, I think, will be lucky to get draws against those two teams. So that's that leaves us with what three home games to get the rest of those points. I mean, and it's, it's put so it's a lot of pressure on every one of those home games. And if yes. it's tense like it is today in all those games, it's not going to be very pleasant. I would agree. I think out of those six, in an ideal world, you get three wins and three draws. I don't think we're going to no I, not to lose all of those matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then away, I mean. Away has just been a binfire. Yeah, uh, I, I can't see how we're going to get points away. It, it's more going to be luck than judgment to get points away. I see us finishing maybe 17th or 16th, but level on points with... It's, it's going to be down to like one point above 18th place. Okay, so with that in mind... We will leave it there for today. So thank you very much to you, Baz. Thank you to Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast. Um, Thank you, listener, for joining us once again. We'll be back with a match report next weekend after the away game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Until then, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.